Thanks. Brother Nick's called up to the, the church building this week and asked what song selection he needed to choose. And he said, other than this little light of mine, what is it that you want sung? And if you went to the conference this weekend, you'd know what I was talking about. Uh, if you missed it and you didn't go to it, you missed something awesome. And uh, here's what I encourage you to do. This year, if you hear anybody, uh, Spencer, anybody get up here and they say, this event goes along with our theme of commitment this year. Whatever the activity is, you should be a part of it because it's awesome stuff. It's good stuff. You've got an eldership here who's pouring out to you that wants you to grow spiritually and is doing whatever they need to do to help you in your walk with God, to help you in your marriage, whatever that might be. And if they've done it and they've offered you quality stuff, go to it. Be a part of it. Take part because it was awesome and you missed something great uh, this last week. And then uh, the last thing I want to say before I get started, Spencer's sitting today. He's not preaching, which is, I know for him, weird. And if you preach every week and you just sit, it's super strange. He didn't have to preach last week. He doesn't have to preach this week. And if you want to, like, dock his pay and give it to the guy who's preaching, <laughs> it might be a good idea. I'm just kidding. All right. We're going to be in the book of James. You can go ahead and turn there. James, uh, and you really, you can just start in chapter 1 because we're going to skip all over the place. Here's what I want to know. Where do you go to get dirt on somebody? I mean, like good info. If you want to find a little dirt, where do you go? Now, I know what you guys say about us preachers. You say that we keep our heads in the sand, that we don't know what's happening, what's going on, what's hip. What's hip? I'm hip, people. I know. I know what's happening. I know where to go to get uh, my info if I need to. Believe me, I know. And here's what you need to know. If you need to find out anything about anybody, do this. Find the location. Location, location, location. You've just got to find the spot, and you don't even have to do any work. Everybody who's talking will do all the work for you. Here's what you do. You go to the grocery store. Back home, it was food land. There was only one place to buy food if you needed to in Grant. My little community was food land. You go to food land, you stand in between aisles one to five, because that's right in front of the cash register, Let's say aisle three, you just browse the deli meat. You just, you just shop for you a little deli meat and just listen. Pay attention. The people who are working the cash register will tell you all the dirt you need to know about anybody. Here's how it may look. Bing! 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 Did you hear about Jessica Partain? Bing! Bing! She's uh, just had her baby, you know. You know, she only got married seven months ago. Bing! 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 Oh, you think it's weird? I think it's a little weird, too. Just wondering if you'd heard anything about it. Your total's 65.73. And then the next person comes through, and you hear that story get a little broader. Bing! Did you hear about Jessica Partain? She just had her baby, 
and she only got married four months ago. Bing, bing. She eloped. She, she got married really fast. I know it upset her dad. You know her dad. He's, he's the preacher at the local church of Christ. Bing. I heard he gets mad, and he gets a little testy when he's angry. He becomes a little violent. Did you hear that too? Bing. And the story spreads, and it expands like wildfire. And it gets larger. Standing Kroger an hour. Look at the magazines at the cash register, and you will have dirt on everybody in the town of, in, of Jonesboro. Location, 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 people. I'm hip. I know where to go. And as damaging as that situation may be to Jessica Partain's reputation, it has nothing. It makes no difference compared to where it would hurt the most. There's one other place you can go where it hurts. And you can say all the same words. You can find out the same information. You can get all the same dirt with the same amount of work. All you need to do is listen, and it causes so much more pain. The repercussions are worse. The damage is multiplied. And you guessed it, the reason why is, be again, because of location. I think all of you know the situation and the place well. This is what this looks like. Did you hear about our preacher's daughter, Jessica? That's how it happens. Gossip happens. And as painful as it is when you're in a small town and everybody in the town finds about you through Kroger, it is nothing compared to the damage that happens in a church when people are talking. You go to a church to get a little dirt. You can go to church and get all the same answers. The difference is here, the pain is much worse. Because here, you don't count on these people who you call family talking about you. If you're a visitor here today, I don't want you to think that this church struggles with this super bad. Like, I'm going to walk out of the building and they're all going to be talking about the things I'm involved with. Don't think that that's the case. I don't think that this church struggles with gossip more than any other church. As a matter of fact, I love this church. I think that it's full of beautiful people who are growing in their relationship with God. I know that it's true. But I think that they struggle with gossip. And you want to know why? I think that they, and I know that they do sometimes. Anytime you get three people in a room, somebody's talking about somebody and the other person's getting talked about. And it doesn't matter where you go, as long as there's a group of people, that's what happens. You get any group of people together, and they struggle with it. The difference between the church and Kroger is we know the difference, though. We know the difference. Churches from the founding of the church have struggled with it. And I can prove it to you. I want you to turn with me to the book of James, and we're going to look there. We're going to look at every single chapter from chapter 1 to the end of the book, and I'm going to point out a scripture that talks about the struggle that this church has. And I want you to try to figure out as I talk about it, what is the struggle that the church has? What is the sin that they are wrapped up in? If you can't already guess what it is, I hope that these texts prove it to you. James chapter 1, verse 26. James chapter 1, verse 26. Here's what it says. If anyone thinks he's religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion 
is worthless. People talk, church. People have always talked. Since the founding of the church, people have talked. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 2, verse 9. James chapter 2, verse 9. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Church, people talk. People chat. It's what they do. They, they spread that gossip about who they like more than who that other person is. Turn me to James chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. James chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among its members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And the tongue is itself set on fire by hell. Church, people talk. It's what they do. You put them in groups, and they will talk every time. And one last verse, the one that we're going to be paying to, attention to today, James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Do not speak evil against one another's brothers. Don't gossip. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. Instead, you're a judge of that law. There's only one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and destroy, but, but who are you to judge your neighbor? People talk, church. They always have. And this church struggled with it. Chapter after chapter after chapter. If there's a theme that runs its way through the whole book, I think it's about that gossip. Gossip that was dividing that church. You look over back at, at chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. They were murdering each other. It was dividing the church in half, fracturing it, because they couldn't help talk. Location, location, location. People in groups, you put three people in a room, they're going to struggle with gossip. People in churches have always struggled with it. The difference is, we know better. This is the one place in the world people shouldn't feel like they're being talked about. But James's church, which I will remind you, is the first century church. It's the church we want to be, right? They struggled with gossip, and we struggle with it too. And as James writes to them about their struggle, he gives them the big, a big warning. The people there didn't think gossiping was a big deal. That's why he has to tell them over and over and over again, like trying to hammer a nail into a board. Don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. Chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, over and over and over again because they didn't get it. And do you want to know why they didn't get it? They didn't think it was a big deal. They thought it was so little a deal that the tongue and the fire, and believe me, it is a fire, spread. And it fractured the church in half. The people on this row hated the people on that row. The people up here hated the people down there. And the people down there, you better believe they talked about this preacher up here. They struggled with this sin, but they didn't believe it was a problem. And here's my question to you. How do we gossip? but say that it isn't really a big deal when in reality it's crushing relationships. If you went to the marriage seminar this weekend, which was fantastic, by the way, and you should have went to it, you missed something really incredible. One of the nights they talked about uh, adultery and how do you prevent adultery in a marriage. They talked about how does 
adultery happen in a marriage? And why does it happen? And this is the conclusion that they came to. A lot of the times, the reason adultery happens is because you form what with a person of the opposite sex? An emotional connection. So, you go to this person with good intent. You say, well, Shirley has a really good marriage with her husband. I need to talk to Shirley and figure out what's, or what are they doing so well that fixes their marriage. Let me share with Shirley the problems I have in my marriage. Maybe she can help me out. And she does. She knows something about you and your spouse that nobody else in the world knows. And you and Shirley share that secret. And slowly, the prayers she gives you and the talk that she gives you spreads to more than just an emotional connection. It becomes a physical one instead. Gossip happens in a lot of the same way. You talk to somebody, maybe it's, it's not a, a person of the opposite sex, maybe it's just a friend at work, and you share with them a secret that you know about Jessica Partain, that she eloped really fast and that it, it upsets her father, and you share an emotional connection, a secret, with that person that you don't think anybody else will know about. Not only do you not think it's a bad thing, it's probably a good thing. You share this connection and you both know about Jessica. It's only you. Don't tell anybody. And then it doesn't stay between you and her. And it spreads like wildfire. And that cancer destroys relationships. Not only the relationship that you thought you had with that friend, but also with the relationship between you and that friend and that person you were talking about. There's a second way that we convince ourselves that gossip isn't such a big deal. I don't think that people here intend to do wrong when they gossip. I think more often than not, this is the way that it happens. They say that they want to be good and pray for their brothers and sisters. So this is what they do. They say, listen, I'm going to tell you something about so-and-so. Listen, don't tell anybody. It's just between us, but you need to say a prayer for Jessica. She's got problems. Just between us, don't let it leave. You just say a prayer for her. For her. And you know what that does? It makes you feel good. You say, well, I've been a good Christian. I told somebody that they needed to pray for somebody else. Here's the problem with that. If you can't tell the person you're talking about that you talked about them with this other person, you shouldn't say it at all. Here's another thing, you, um, yeah, shouldn't do that. You should not do that. And it shouldn't shame you, by the way, to have that person find out that you have half the church praying for them. It shouldn't shame you. And if it does shame you to have the person you're praying for find out that they're praying for you, nine times out of ten, it's gossip. Think about it when you do that. And when you say, well, why don't you pray for so-and-so? Here's the big problem with that. In order to do a talking about somebody, in order to do that and gossip, what you have to do is make a judgment about that person. You want to know what's so bad about gossip and the reason it's so deadly? It's because you've made a judgment. And it isn't my idea, by the way. It comes from James. So I want you to look there. James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. In this text, he's going to tell the church, here are the reasons you don't need to gossip. He gives two of them. Both of them are judgment calls. 
James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. And, and by the way, as I read, I'm going to read the text through once, and I'm going to read it word for word the way that it is on the screen. The second time that I read it, I'm going to add a little emphasis. I'm going to add my own words to show you, I believe, the intent of what James is saying. I'm going to add an AKA, or an also known as, because I believe that that's what he's saying when he says and and or in this text. So pay attention to it. See if you can spot where I've added these words. Verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another's brother, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. You're a judge of the law. All right, now I'm going to read it one more time and I'm going to add a little emphasis. See if you can spot it. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother, also known as judging his brother, speaks evil against the law, also known as judging the law. He says, when you do it, you really are judging one another. For James, the word judge and gossip are one of the same. He's using them interchangeably. When you gossip, you mean absolutely nothing good. If it's nothing you couldn't say without them in the room, it's nothing you should say. So when you say something about somebody, you hear that thing about them, and then that thing you hear turns into an action from you. That action, whether it be talking or writing or texting or emailing or whatever that it might be, that's judgment. The people in James's church were divided. These people hated this people. These people talked about these people. This person uh, talked about those people to anybody other than the person they should be talking to, that person. And when they did that, they sat in the judgment seat. They listened to the witness, and they found the defendant guilty and told everyone else that they needed to do the exact same thing. They were the judge. So remember that. Judgment or gossip is when what you say or do cuts down another person. Maybe it's not intentional, but that's the repercussion of what it does. Now take that info and put it back in your pocket. Even write it in the margin of your bulletin if you need to. This is what you should write. Judgment or gossip equals when you do something to cut another person down. Remember that as I say what I'm about to say. <clears throat> the first reason for not gossiping is this. When you do it, you're judging other brothers and sisters. Let me get a drink of water real quick. The second reason for not gossiping. When you do it, you're judging God. I want you to look back with me to James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. <clears throat> Do not speak evil against one another's brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. Instead, you're a judge. There is only one God and lawgiver and judge who's able to save and destroy. Who are you saving? Who are you destroying? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Why should we not gossip? By gossiping, we are judging God and finding him stupid of being... <laughs> you find your God stupid 
You find him to be a stupid God, guilty of that problem. Now call me crazy, I I read that. And I see that in the text. But to me, it's a little foreign. Maybe it's because I'm not a Jew and I don't understand the law. Talking about the law of God isn't something that I discuss a lot, but it seems a little far-fetched. When I judge a brother, I'm judging God. That sounds like a crazy idea. Here's the thing. When James talks about the law, he's talking about a specific law. He's talking about what we call the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the law he's talking about. And this is what he says. If you know that law, you intentionally don't do it. You don't do the law that I gave you. You are saying that my law is stupid. And when what you say cuts down another person, and if that other person was God in this room, then the person you've cut down was God. You see the problem? If that's what judgment or gossip is, if you've made a judgment of God's law that you're judging him by judging your brother, I'll give you an example. This is my dog, Lou. I want you to go to the next slide, please. Isn't that adorable? He is so cute. Look at him when he was a brand new baby with his little brother or sister. He could fit in a hat. Not a full-grown man's hat, a child's hat. Isn't that adorable? Don't let that face fool you. Lou is short for Lucifer. We left for a month. And we, we were making lots of trips to other churches, trying out at other churches. We were gone the last trip that we went on for an extended weekend, four days. And we left Lou alone in our house by himself. Now, Lou is potty trained. He knows where to go to the bathroom. He has, he has pee pads. And he uses those training pads. He goes to them every time. We had no problems. He knows where to go every time. Let me tell you what happened on that last trip. He was good to the last trip. We came home. Guess what was bone dry? Those pee pads. He peed everywhere except on those pads. He knew where to go. He chose not to go on the pads. And we talked about getting rid of him. I said, we're not getting rid of this dog. If I can't raise this dog, how will we raise a child? We're keeping this dog. So I said, we're going to retrain him. And I, we did well. For that, that first day that I took him training him, I took him outside. I walked him, showed him where his pee pad was. I rewarded him for using the bathroom where he needed to go. I took him for his walk, and I came inside. I sat down on my couch, propped up my feet on the coffee table, started to watch some ESPN, and Lou walks over to the coffee table. The leg nearest to where I was looks up at me and urinates on the leg of the toffee table. He knew where to go. He chose the coffee table. Do you know what he's telling me? He's slapping me in the face and he's saying, your rules are stupid. That's what he's saying. I asked uh, Kyle Wydick. Kyle Wydick's wife, Brandy, is the dog guru, okay? I said, baby, she's rubbed some wisdom off onto Kyle. And I asked Kyle, I said, Kyle, what's going on with my dog? He completely forgot. And he said, you know what he's doing? How old is he? He's a year old. Have you got him fixed? No. Puberty. That's what's happening to your dog. 
Puberty is what happened. Do you remember what happened to you when you went through puberty, Jonathan? Yes, I made a lot of stupid decisions. He said, he just wants attention. Any attention at all, good attention, bad attention, whatever it be, just give me some attention. He didn't want us to be gone all month. Okay, take that and apply it to a teenager. You've raised this 16-year-old boy. You've told him and, and raised him to be the way that he should. He's always in church. You say, listen, I'm going to trust you. You can go out with your girlfriend tonight. We're not going to come, but we want you to be in from ice cream at 10 o'clock. Nothing goes on good past 10 o'clock. We want you home at 10 o'clock, not 1030. I'm going to be reading my Bible. I'm going to be reading my Bible like I should be. You come home and better be here at 10 o'clock. And then he rolls in at 11. And you sat up and waited. And he looks at you when he comes in, and he knows exactly what he just did. He just directly disobeyed you. And he storms off to his room. Doesn't he know that it, without me and my money, he wouldn't have a room to stomp off to? Has he got any mind about him? I taught, brought you in this world, I can take you out. That's what my mama used to say. What your, my dog is telling me, because that's the closest thing I got to a kid, and what that teenager's telling you is that your rules are stupid. And we can take it to its fullest extreme and even say this. What my dog is telling me and what that teen is telling you is that I can come up with better rules than you can. I wouldn't have a curfew. It was up to me. I wouldn't have a pee pad if it was up to me. That's what he's doing. To you. Now I understand how infuriating that, that must be, but I want you to look at what James says. He says, if you judge your brother, you judge the law. And if the law is the golden rule, and you know the law good and well, but instead you drag your brother's name through that dirt. I want to tell you something, and, and you may not like it, but this is what you're metaphorically doing to God. I want you to see how vulgar what you're doing to him is. You are metaphorically hiking your leg and letting it rip right on him. That's what you're doing to him. I say that to say this. I don't want you to take this in lightly. And I'll tell you why I don't want you to take this in lightly. It's a problem everybody struggles with and we all know it. Anybody in group struggle with, struggles with it, which means I know we struggle with it. I don't want you to take it lightly because James's church took it lightly, and as a result, what happens in four chapters, chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, I'm going to read it one more time. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have... So you're murdering one another. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. That's what happens when you talk. I don't want you to take it lightly. I, I want you to realize the importance of this and I want you to try not to do it. I want you to think consciously about this. Before we get to the invitation, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. Every time I read James, I see the teachings of his brother in everything. I see the teachings of Christ. 
And I want to read this writing to you. See if it sounds familiar to what we've talked about today. Either make a tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by the fruit it produces. You brood of vipers, you Pharisees, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by the words you are justified, and by your words you are condemned. Our words carry some weight. Now, I don't want you to think and tiptoe on every word and walk self-consciously on everything that you say. I don't think that's what Christ wants either. Here's what I think he wants you to see. When you say anything, you're only speaking what you've already got in here. You will be judged by the content of your character and how that you fulfilled that wall that law, and you want to know the best way to figure out if you've been following that law the right way? Pay attention to the things you say. What Jesus is telling the Pharisees, and what I heard another preacher say, is that you can look at your tongue like a thermometer. You can check that thermometer out, and you can diagnose the state of your spiritual health. Pay attention to the things you say. Are you gossiping about somebody? Because if you gossip about somebody, that's telling me a whole lot about the way you think about your God. That's crazy, isn't it? Pay attention to the things you say about somebody. Here's my goal for you. Here's my goal for this week. When you notice yourself, say somebody's name. And it could be anybody's name for any reason. Even, I don't know, the president, anybody. It doesn't matter. Think about the person's name that you said and ask yourself, is the reason or is what I'm doing right now gossip about this person? Why did I just say or why am I about to say what I'm about to say about this person? Is the reason I'm saying what I'm saying because it's gossip? Do I need a confidence boost myself? And if you do think that you have been gossip and you can already diagnose yourself, I want you to ask yourself this question. I am gossiping. What does that say about the state of my spiritual health? And what can I do to stop and to improve this behavior? By way of invitation, I want you to think about this. Maybe you're somebody and you know that you struggle with this. And you know who you... are talking about. Here's what I want you to do. I hope that they wouldn't be somebody in this room, but if they are, when we leave today, I want you to go to that person. That's a, that's a big challenge. I want you to go to that person, and I want you to apologize. Maybe you know that you're somebody, and you have one person that you emotionally connect to and that you share all your struggles with. For me, that's my wife. I want you to talk to your spouse or whoever your close friend is and say, hey, You know me better than anybody else. Will you look and tell me when I struggle with this sin? And will you help me not to partake in it? Maybe you aren't a Christian, but you know that you struggle with this too. Well, let me tell you something. There's nobody that's going to be able to help you over this sin like Christ is going to be able to help you. But you've got to submit to his teachings. And the only way you can do that is to become a Christian in those waters. Why don't you do that? Why don't you get the prayers of the church as we stand and as we sing?